Hi, it's Michael Anthony. And welcome to The Meat of It, a carnivore podcast about life. Life, huh? It has its ups and downs, right? Well, I've been feeling kind of uh, not so great the past couple of days, and it's because of something I ate. So I thought today we should talk about food sensitivities, because uh, I'm dealing with those seriously right now. Before I start, wherever you're watching or listening, please do subscribe and uh, give a positive review or thumbs up, whatever you got there. All right, food sensitivities. Um, they're different for everybody, right? I have sensitivities that you don't and vice versa, but uh, everyone has something. You might not think you do, but everyone's got something. Most food intolerances are to plant foods, and I think that's for obvious reasons. Plants are defending themselves with chemicals and other substances. We're just not built to eat plants the way ruminant animals are, especially ruminant animals. And ruminant animals happen to be the least allergenic food in the world. When you look at food allergies, red meat is at the bottom of the list. And I argue that's because it's the most natural, healthiest food for humans to be eating. So basically, we're not really built to eat plants, but they are, especially ruminant animals. Not just herbivores, okay? These are ruminant animals. They have multiple stomachs and all these microbes in those stomachs that are helping them to break down the cellulose, all, all that, that stuff that we can't really digest, that fiber, all that stuff that binds up all those nutrients that also have to be converted from one form into another to be utilized by us because they're not in the right form yet. There's so many layers to this. So ruminant animals who are built for this, okay, they take all of those nutrients, convert them into a form that is ideal for human consumption and, and nutrition. And that's all there is to it. That's why we're better off eating the animal instead of killing animals to eat the plants. Just skip the extra killing and eat one humanely raised cow and you're doing a lot less damage to other animals, to the earth, and to yourself. So your ideal human nutrition is gonna be found in your ruminant meats, all right? Your, your cattle, that's your cows and your bison. It's gonna be in your sheep and your goats. There are so many ruminant animals out there and they're all designed to eat plants and digest the plants and to, it's not even really them, it's all the microbes lining their guts, their multiple guts, their many stomachs. That's what's really, that's converting everything that's in the plants into a subs into different substances that can be actually utilized by these animals. Because plants are, at least in my opinion, barely food. I mean, you can get by on plants, I guess, but look, everything about plant foods is a struggle from the farming to the eating and the digesting and the rest of it. We're better off if we stop chasing away and killing animals so that we can eat their plants and just eat one or two of those animals every now and then to get those nutrients. We're much better off. Not to mention a bunch of happy wild animals who get to enjoy the food that it's, it's there for them. It's, not, it's really not for us. That's why we have to fight so hard to defend it from them because it's for them. So just stop and eat the animals. But not all meat is red, of course. And what about fish? What about pork? What about uh, uh, rodents, uh, birds? <laughs> yeah, people eat all kinds of animals, but 
really it's the red meat that's the least allergenic so that's the one I recommend most. It's also generally the healthiest because of the way the animals digest their food. Their digestion is so thorough. I trust ruminants above all other animals for the processing and preparation of my nutrients. You're more likely to have an allergic reaction to say a chicken or to pork or to even fish than you are to beef. That's my understanding at least. I mean, don't quote me word for word on this, but generally red meat from ruminant animals. The way the microbes in their guts digest plants is just second to none. And like I said, that's just preparing all of those nutrients to jump into your body and, and keep you alive and thriving. As opposed to plant foods, which are at their best when they're turned to mush and there's not really much nutrition left in there, but they're at least kind of digestible, or at least they're not gonna clog up the works like uh, too much fiber might. I don't speak out against fiber enough. Fiber is an irritant, all right? It's not this uh, miracle colon cleanser. It's like pushing a bunch of scouring pads through your guts. It's just so destructive and unnecessary, and it prevents you from absorbing a lot of nutrients. Fiber is not only overrated, it, it's kind of harmful in my opinion, so. Yeah, a word against fiber. But getting back to problematic animal foods, because hey, you know, I have to admit, even carnivore-friendly foods aren't always friendly to all carnivores. Eggs and dairy, are in particular, cause a lot of trouble for a lot of people. Even if you're eating the top quality stuff. I mean, I've eaten pasture-raised eggs, and they've still made me throw up. Sorry for the sudden TMI, but it really, it's worse than that. It's, I get all kinds of gastrointestinal distress all right, when I uh, eat too many eggs, usually more than three, or if I have, say, three one day, three the next day, uh, definitely by the next day, things are happening, not good things. And dairy, I can eat raw dairy, especially raw dairy, all right? Raw cheese, it's great. I love raw cheese, it's delicious, and I usually feel good after eating it, but if I eat too much of it, which, first of all, it is chemically addictive, so it's easy to eat too much cheese. Besides being addictive, actually having an opioid-like compound, that, that's how intense it is. But uh, not only is it addictive, but uh, cheese or dairy in general tends to cause weight gain. It's highly insulogenic, so it's triggering all kinds of hormonal responses that are not ideal for adult health. I mean, when you think about it, it, it's addictive so that babies keep going back to it, and it's fattening because babies need to put on fat. So it's perfect baby food, but not the best for us. Not the best for the rest of us, that is. And I've personally known carnivores whose eczema flares up when they eat cheese, so no matter how good, how healthy the cheese is for me or for someone else, for them, it's gonna make them itchy and rashy. So uh, there's just something about the proteins and other stuff in milk that it's not necessarily the best for all adult humans. But I do support 
<laughs> dairy. I love dairy, especially raw milk cheese and raw dairy in general. Any kind of high quality dairy I do support, but it does have its risks and you have to be careful. Just like I support eggs, but I can't eat eggs. You know, these things, again, your mileage may vary, especially with dairy. Turning into Dr. Seuss over here. But enough picking on the animals, because by far, most food allergies are plant allergies. And again, that's for a reason. I don't know why I sound so vehement, but it's true. It's for a reason, a very, very good reason. And it's that plants don't want to be eaten. Yeah, I know animals don't want to be eaten either, but they can run away, they can fight, yada yada. Plants are stuck. They are planted in the ground. And so their only defense is, well, maybe they can have spikes, but usually they just have poisons. And uh, the truth is, most plants in the world, look around you, most plants are not edible, for humans at least. And really for most animals, uh, as long as the plant is in good condition, most animals are not going to be able to eat that plant because the plant is defending itself. Even insects usually can't take over every plant because the plants have their defense systems. But humans have specially bred over many generations a select few plants. And those plants, most of the plants we eat, have been specifically designed by us to have a weaker defense system. Either that, or we've designed our cooking methods, like uh, soaking and things like that. Different methods, techniques, designed over millennia by different cultures or across the globe to help manage the anti-nutrients, the irritants that we have often noticed in plants. And yet some of us develop cravings, not only for plants, but for their harmful compounds. It's crazy. Caffeine we use as a stimulant and it's addictive. Nicotine is another stimulant and also very addictive. But the main one I want to talk about today is capsaicin. And I'll get to that in a second. First, I want to tell you a little story. It all started when I went on a nice three mile walk down from Washington Heights to Harlem to go to the Whole Foods. I was in the mood for snacks, but I was also in the mood for a walk. So I decided to earn my snacks by walking to the snacks. Yes, even three miles there and back for a total of over six miles. Took me about two hours, not much time, especially when you consider how many people spend that much time getting to the gym and working out at the gym and getting, you know, all that stuff. The whole gym process, I, I didn't have to worry about it. All I had to do was walk from one place to another. That's one nice thing about New York City. One thing I'm gonna miss is being able to walk from one neighborhood to another. That is something that New York does still offer and that I will miss when I move somewhere else to start my homestead. Anyway, I walked to the store. Six miles there and back. And here's what I got. 4505 Cracklins. I, obviously I have cracked this bag open, but uh, these are my favorites. I've honestly barely touched pork rinds these days. I, I, I always go to my Cracklins, especially these Cracklins. These are so tasty, they're, they're crunchy, they're just salt. It's just pork and salt. And this is high quality pork on top of that. They come in a few flavors, but I only get the sea salt and in about a minute uh, you're gonna know why. And for those of you who really worry that they're frying up the cracklins or the pork rinds in some other oil, unless it's specifically listed like sunflower oil or peanut oil or some other garbage that you do find on the backs of some of those packages, 
it's usually just fried in its own fat. Right on the back it says, Pork fat rendered from the cooking process is used to fry the cracklins to minimize waste and utilize multiple parts of the animal for sustainable production. I like it. There's no point adding another fat. Pork rinds and pork cracklins come with their own fat. They make lard and fry themselves. So, except no substitutes. But it wouldn't even be a substitution, it would be the addition of garbage, of a crappy vegetable oil, seed oil, on top of this very healthy fat. And as you can see, if you're watching the video, I, I don't eat these all at once. I have a clip on the bag because I don't eat them all at once. Most things I uh, generally eat a lot of things all at once. All right, I'll admit it. I'm a gavon. What are you gonna, what am I gonna say? But these are so tasty and fatty and satisfying. I just have a couple and I'm good for however long. I just, I don't really snack that much, but when I'm craving something, I'm mostly going for these things to avoid cheese. When I'm eating something other than beef or salmon roe, I'm usually eating something to avoid eating cheese. Because like I said, it's pretty addictive. And I'm coming out of a period when I was eating a lot of cheese every day. So uh, I'm still getting used to not eating any. And uh, there were a couple of moments here and there that I, I've been tempted or even given in once or twice in small amounts and it just I notice extra flab and I remember that I don't need the insulin spikes not as somebody who's coming out of uh, pre-diabetes I was pre-diabetic for I don't even know how long but it was definitely at least a decade until I discovered a carnivore diet so I don't need to be messing with my insulin so much. So occasional cheese is still on the table for me, don't get me wrong, but uh, I just know I'm not gonna be at my best, so I'm avoiding it. Along with those 4505 pork cracklins, I got myself a couple of bottles of Pellegrino. San Pellegrino Sparkling Mineral Water. Uh, it's, it's my soda. <laughs> that, that mineral, sparkling mineral water is my soda. And this is one of the best out there. It's so refreshing that I actually try not to get too much of it for myself because I can easily overdo it, overhydrate, and then I, you know, I'm going to the bathroom all day, um, all night. I, I love water and sometimes I drink too much and Pellegrino makes it easy to drink too much. Again, it's kind of addictive. In this case, because of hyper palatability. It's so tasty, it's so, re again, refreshing. It's not flavored or anything, but it does have a little bit of a mineral taste to it that adds to its appeal. It's, again, thoroughly refreshing and those minerals are also good for your health, so. It's a win, 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 win. But uh, even though 4505 Cracklins are my overall favorite and I love me a bottle of San Pellegrino, that's not the real reason I went all the way down to Whole Foods. The real reason I walked those six miles was a craving for jalapeno Cracklins. Jalapeno flavored, epic brand jalapeno flavored Cracklins. Behold! The empty bag. You know what you did. All right, I'm gonna be honest. I got a couple of, I got three bags and I ate them over the course of about three hours. So uh, don't blame Epic, don't blame pork cracklins, don't even blame, well, you might wanna blame jalapenos, but I'm gonna tell you the story, all right. Over the course of about three, probably more than three hours, but over the course of an evening or a night, I did eat three bags of 
pork cracklings with a lot of jalapeno. Uh, let me look at the ingredients here. Pork skin, jalapeno pepper, salt, garlic powder, onion powder, sea salt, and cilantro. Essentially, the jalapeno pepper is the main thing here, and that's the main problem. It's the second ingredient, above salt. So there's more jalapeno than salt in these cracklings. And quite frankly, it's delicious. These are delicious. These are high quality pork and very tasty. I like the spices, but they did hurt me this time. Getting back to capsaicin, that's the thing that drew me in, and that's also the thing that hurt me in the end. Literally in the end. Capsaicin is a phytochemical found in jalapeno peppers. That's that spicy part. That's what gives it that great kick. It's really quite enjoyable for us because we're not insects. If we were insects, we'd be, ooh, we'd be on fire. Our whole existence would be on fire and we'd probably die. But because we're not teensy-weensy little insects, we can handle it. So we like it and we eat it on purpose, even though that's literally the plants kicking and screaming down your throat saying, don't eat me, don't eat, ah, help. And somehow we humans interpret that as a nice little kick. But yeah, it literally is a kick, the kick of a, uh, an organism that's being devoured against its will. But believe it or not, birds are immune to that burning sensation because birds have been designated for whatever reason by jalapenos and other, these other spicy fruits because they are fruits. Birds have been chosen by these plants to spread their seeds. And we stubbornly spread their seeds too, but it's ultimately, it's for the birds. Jalapenos are for the birds. And uh, since I am not a bird, I suffered a lot of gastrointestinal distress after eating so many little jalapeno cracklings. Was it worth it? Yeah, because they were so delicious, I, I couldn't stop. But also, I learned a really important lesson. And I got a video out of it. It's, it's a win-lose win. I don't really know the formula, but there's some winning in there. Anyway, speaking of learning lessons, the truth is I didn't really learn my lesson right away because the following day, I ate a mild, very mild, chorizo. I got an imported Spanish chorizo straight from España. And it was mild, it really was mild, but it was full of paprika, and I think that was the main problem, the paprika. Because even though it wasn't that spicy, the inside was really, really red. So that must have been a lot of paprika. And as it turns out, paprika is derived from peppers, which are nightshades. And they don't always contain a lot of capsaicin, but they are still nightshades, just like jalapenos, nightshades. If that word sounds familiar, it's because nightshades are poison. Sure, you can find websites all over the place saying that studies show that uh, humans can apparently blah, 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 blah. The fact is that even if humans can handle it, these are still literally poison. So all nightshades, including tomatoes, uh, most potatoes, except for sweet potatoes, eggplants, these are all nightshades. They, the fruit always has a little hat, kind of little hat on the, on the top. It's cute, right? But 
it's poison. The phytochemicals in nightshades include not just things like capsaicin, but also even a little bit of nicotine. You might not get hooked on tomatoes, but just remember this. However you're getting your nicotine, whether you vape or whatever you do, you become more insulin resistant the more nicotine you ingest. You are doing metabolic damage to your body by ingesting nicotine. It might not be obvious, but it's probably happening. And that insulin resistance can contribute to obesity, diabetes, heart disease, clogged arteries, all those things. It really comes down to insulin resistance. It's not about eating meat. Eating meat, in fact, helps to reverse these horrible, horrible conditions. Of course, most insulin resistance is not caused by nicotine, but by too many carbohydrates, too much sugar in the form of not only sugar, but bread, pasta, even too much fruit. So the paprika in my chorizo, it's a nightshade, not ideal. Um, on top of that, there was garlic. Now, I've never noticed a problem with garlic for me, even as a carnivore. I've had, you know, things that contain a bit of garlic powder, even a little onion powder without hurting myself, at least not noticeably. Heck, when I was growing up, I remember being 10 years old, going into the fridge, picking out a clove of garlic and just biting down like it was a little miniature apple. I would just crunch down on a mouthful of raw garlic, and I enjoyed it. It was sure, maybe a little intense, but I liked it, and it didn't make me feel sick. Not usually, I mean, if I overdid it, but hey, garlic is something that's hard to overdo, so I just had a little taste here and there. Never gave me any problems that I noticed. However, with all that said, garlic does contain its own defensive phytochemicals. In this case, it's Allison. Apologies to anyone named Allison. But yeah, Allison, spelled differently from the name Allison, is that thing in garlic that is so toxic to insects and microbes and Count Dracula. But luckily, Allison doesn't seem to survive cooking very well, so maybe that's why it hasn't bothered me. But I still try to avoid onions and garlic, especially raw. I did a video about how I ate a burger that had some onion in it, actually. It wasn't even on top, it was mixed in. And I think it might have been maybe a little undercooked, that onion, because I got violently ill that night. And I don't think it was even the beef. I don't think it was undercooked beef. I really think it was the onions. I had a lot of people arguing with me over that, but look, these plants don't want to be eaten. And they do fight back, but usually in our digestive systems and in our bodies as they do damage. I haven't even mentioned oxalates, but I highly recommend looking up Sally K. Norton and oxalates. Oxalates are why I can't eat spinach and why even when I was a little baby and my dad tried to feed me spinach, I slapped the spoon out of his hand because spinach makes me nauseous to this day. And now that I've learned more, I know it's because of the oxalates. Oxalates are these little crystals in the leaves that including tea leaves. I mean, even tea makes me feel sick. And I didn't even know that until I turned carnivore because I never noticed. That's the thing. Okay, I'm going all over the place here, but I'm going to stop and make an important point. A lot of people point at carnivores and say, see, look how sensitive they are. I wouldn't want to be that sensitive. I want to be able to eat a peanut. Well, go ahead and eat your peanuts. No one's stopping you from eating your peanuts. But those of us who avoid peanuts understand that peanuts are trying to kill us and so we try not to eat them. And as it turns out, when we take a break from eating things that are trying to kill us, 
we tend to develop greater sensitivity to those attempts to kill us. Kind of like when you stop taking any kind of poison over a long period of time, day after day. You stop taking that poison, you start to feel better, and the next time you're exposed to that poison, uh, even if it's a tiny amount, you might notice it a little more than when you were eating lots of it every day. So that's why some carnivores are so sensitive to your precious ingredients, okay? Please don't be offended. It's really because we're trying not to be killed slowly by a plant. But again, everyone's different. It's not gonna be the same for everyone. You might be able to handle way more plants than I can, maybe because you didn't eat so many when you were younger and you mixed it up a lot. Maybe I ate too many plants when I was younger. I mean, look, I was eating raw garlic for Pete's sake. That's not great. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. Probably because I was under the false impression that it was healthy, but hey. You live, you learn. And uh, right here, the moral of the story is plants do not want to be eaten and they will have their revenge. So what's a carnivore to do? I mean, if I can't even eat spices, how am I gonna, there are no snacks without spices. While it is hard to find food, especially snacks without plant ingredients, uh, there are options out there. Like I said, the 4505 cracklins, they have a sea, this is just sea salt and pork. I can eat that, no problem. But if you really wanna know for certain what's in your food, yet make it yourself. And that's what I've been doing. I'm back to making my own snacks. I got my dehydrator back out and I've been making beef jerky, liver jerky, and this time I made beef jerky with ground beef. I've done this before and uh, the results were kinda iffy, but <laughs> this time I liked it a lot better. I did it in just one layer over the heating element and I tried to keep it relatively thin, but not too thin. I wanted a chunk, I wanted something chunky, but just not too thick to really dehydrate thoroughly. I formed the ground beef into these long flat patties and uh, coated them lightly with Redmond Real Salt. After over 12 hours at 158 degrees Fahrenheit, I had some great beef jerky. It wasn't exactly the normal kind of beef jerky. It's this weird kind of a, uh, I don't know how to describe it. If you've ever had those mainstream beef jerkies, which are full of all kinds of horrible preservatives and other kinds of chemicals. I don't even know what's in those things. But anyway, those beef jerkies, those meat sticks, all these different brands that contain a lot of other crap, uh, this is a version of those that tastes better. It's more pure. It's just beef and salt. So you don't have to worry about all these other, I didn't, those don't even taste like meat half the time. They taste like all the stuff that's in the meat. And this is coming from somebody who's eaten a lot of Jack Links and Slim Jims and other, oof. These are not real jerkies or real meats, in my opinion. Don't get me wrong, if I have to choose between pretty much any plant-based anything, and some cheap jerky or some cheap meat stick, I'm gonna choose the meat stick to survive, not the plant. But I usually try to do better than that, you know, go for higher quality and higher standards for the living conditions of the animals, all these things. The ground beef I've been eating is still coming from Crowd Cow from True Grit Cattle Farm in Pennsylvania. Crowd Cow gave me a referral link just for being a customer and you can find that in the show notes. Use that to get $25 off and I'll get $25 off too. Thanks, and you're welcome. And a shout out to Optimal Carnivore for sending over some grass-fed beef liver capsules. This is great. I love their grass-fed organ complex. It had brain, thymus, all the different parts, but uh, liver's my favorite. And yet, 
it's often not very tasty. I've tried making some liver jerky recently and I don't like it as much as I thought I would so I've been turning to this these liver capsules and I'm sure I'm gonna eat some raw liver I like raw liver but it's between the raw liver and the capsules I, I don't think I like the jerky as much as I thought I would I probably just have to work on my recipe I, I mean I don't really use recipes but there's something I'm doing wrong I'll figure it out a huge thank you to all of my supporters at patreon including Jordan who just signed up Thanks, Jordan, and thank you all. I've been trying to step things up with you know, better equipment, better everything, but I've been experiencing some technical difficulties with the new equipment, so uh, I'm kind of going on the old stuff for now. But I'm always looking to make things better, so let me know what you like, what you want more of, and I'll do my best. Not to play favorites, but especially for my patrons. And by the way, I am aware that Patreon does have its issues, so I am looking for alternatives, and I'm trying to set up some other stuff so that you can support my work in other ways. By the way, I do have new art prints available. Go to art.meatgoth.com to get your own print of some of my artwork. I have a psychedelic ribeye. I have a melting chocolate Easter bunny to warn against the dangers of too much sugar. And I've got a lot of other weird stuff. I've always been a weird artist, so I hope you get a kick out of it. Thanks for checking it out either way and Thanks for checking this out. I feel it's important to talk about my mistakes as a carnivore, not just all the great things about being a carnivore. <sighs> there are, I mean, like I said, we can be more sensitive now to things that we weren't so sensitive when we were poisoning ourselves day after day. And so yeah, we can be more sensitive, but that makes us eat more carefully. And when we eat more carefully, we have fewer issues, fewer stomach aches, fewer headaches, fewer <laughs> all kinds of diseases. So I think it pays off to stay sensitive by staying away from all those toxins. So you may disagree, but either way, I hope you're enjoying your life to the max. Living your life to the max. Could it be any more obvious that I'm a child of the 80s and 90s? Anyway, thanks again for joining me. I'm off to my next driving lesson, so wish me luck and I'll see you again soon.